0: Welcome back to another episode of Midday Vibes. Today's episode, I have the pleasure of being joined by one of my role models that I talked about in the My Story series, David Covey. This man has made a huge impact in my life and I'm grateful that you guys get to finally meet him. So without further ado, here is David Covey.
1: Thanks for having me, I appreciate it. Uh, I'm a little nervous, but I feel like I'm back in 2008, 2009, uh, back in my teaching role as well. So it's it's good to be here, and I appreciate you having me on.
0: Oh, no problem, man. That's a long time ago. Today, that 2008, 2009, like, wow. <laughs> I know. I, we were just talking before the show. and We were talking, like, oh, you know, that happened a decade ago. And now when you say the actual years, it's like, man, it's 2022. That was a <laughs> long time ago. It
1: was. It was. But,
0: oh. <sighs> but uh kind of going ahead it was talking about 2008 2009 uh what were you teaching then what do you teach now kind of tell us about yourself okay
1: uh back then i think i had you in i had you in sociology and i think modern world issues i think i had you twice and oh yeah and not much has changed um i'm still teaching in the same place And I'm teaching three classes, world history, sociology. And then I have a new class that uh, Mr. Neal got me started on back in the day. And I've continued and grown it since. It's called Intro to Teaching for young people who want to pursue the profession. So that's kind of my my baby and my heart and joy. But I do enjoy all the classes and teaching freshmen, world history, and then seniors for Intro to Teaching and Sociology.
0: Know that that intro to teaching I would have loved to take that class if it was offered back when I was going there but that sociology class for sure both classes were amazing but I remember that sociology class because it was so interesting it was so exciting to learn about real life issues and how to uh, adjust to them and read the situation and I was so intrigued by that class, by you teaching it, that I, that was my, one of my gen eds I took in uh, college. I could take psych, uh, psychology or sociology. And I was like, I'm taking sociology because that was super cool. And everything that we learned then, I knew everything I needed to know when I was in college. Like, I didn't even have to take notes. I was just sitting there, like, indulging everything that the professor was saying because I had already learned all the basics for that. So I know you don't know that, but I want to say, you did one heck of a job teaching that class because when I got to college I didn't have to relearn anything or learn anything new because I had the pleasure of getting it in high school. That well, makes me feel good. I, so, I appreciate that. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, that that's a kudos to you. I mean, you're the one that had to do it and I'm sure it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't easy. I don't remember exactly everyone that was in my class, but I was in that class my boy, my two best friends were in that class, and I know we all we did was talk. So <laughs> it was one of those things where you had to mitigate uh, all the problems that we brought. But it was, it was a great class, and I do appreciate that. Um, and back in two thousand eight, before I go ahead, back in two thousand eight, how long were you teaching then?
1: So when I had you, I, it was my second year teaching, and my first year was kind of like survival mode. And I made a, I made up my mind that that summer that I was gonna get in shape, and I was gonna spend every day just reading and just commit myself to the craft. And so when that August hit, I was I was just ready to go. And I remember I remember your class coming in, and I remember all of it was a packed class, and there there were a lot of personalities in there. Um, I can I can picture you and all those people that you were just talking about where they sat and everything, but. I just made sure that I was ready and I was going to do my very best. And so when you say like, you didn't have to think in college, like it was all there for you. Like that just shows the hard work and stuff like that, that I put in that summer and it, and it paid off. So I really didn't know what I was doing. It may have, it may have looked like I knew what I was doing, but I I was just raw. I was fresh and and I was still learning.
0: Yeah, it was, I didn't know it was your second year, but I knew it was early. Was your first year at Danville as well? Nope it was my it was my I've only been at
1: Danville, and uh, that was my second year teaching.
0: Oh okay okay, I didn't know if you were only there, but no, it was. Uh, I remember first day, you had that classroom right next to the one way hallway, and you were on the you are on the corner, and you always tell people, "All right, you gotta go the other way," because we would always try to walk down the hallway because we didn't want to walk around. But I remember I was like, I got my schedule. I'm like, dude, who's this Covey dude? Like, who's Mr. Covey? Never heard of you. Like, obviously, I, it was my senior year. I've been there four years now. Didn't, I felt like I knew everybody. Like, I don't know who this is. So I asked around and they said they had you for Modern War Issues. It was, uh, and I was like, oh, he teaches Modern War Issues? I didn't know that because I just thought, how taught the class? And so I ask him around, they're like, oh, yeah, he's cool, he's cool. I was like, all right, all right, I'm excited. Let's see what this class is all about. First day I come in, man's playing Blueprint 3, and I'm like, what? What is this? Do? Like, it just dropped. I think it just dropped that year or something. Uh, it might have been that month, but I was like, man, this dude's will listen to Blueprint 3, I'll oh, say less. So we was, it was off the rip, it was already a great time. And I, I remember that vividly. It was, you met us at the door your corner was in the back right your desk was in the back right you had a little bluetooth speaker and it was just all playing i'm like okay i I can get with this class i'm with this it's six period it was a great time right after lunch
1: (laughs) that's right Yep. that that album was fresh out the kitchen it just come out and and i've been waiting for that album I, i remember driving home uh listen to Forever Young and, and like that was my, my everyday driving home from work's album. So I had to start off with what I was listening to. The, the difference is is back Uh-oh. then I was listening to the same music you all were listening to. Now that I, I, I'm i still listening to Jay-Z and Kanye and J. Cole and, and the, the young people have moved on. They're, they're listening to other stuff. So I don't have that same yeah, connection. anymore. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm still listening to it. <laughs> I'm when with they you. Come they don't want to hear on no the first more. the
1: when I'm playing Jay-Z now, they're like, who is this old person? And
0: <laughs> yeah, who's Jay-Z? But I'm not going to
1: change who I am. But,
0: oh, no, definitely not. So that leads me into my next question. Have you always wanted to be a teacher?
1: That's a good one. I, I never wanted to be a teacher. So I started late. Uh, I actually went to school. I was going to be a lawyer. I remember growing up telling people I'm going to be a lawyer my dad's a lawyer, my two uncles are lawyers, my grandfather's a lawyer, my great-grandfather's a lawyer, my great-great-grandfather's a lawyer. And I'm not, I'm not making this up, that's mm. that's for real. And so <laughs> then when it came time for me to apply to law school, I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't even sit down and fill out the paperwork. And so I painted houses for a summer and there were some tough things going on in my life. And I remember one day I just sat down and applied to, uh, to be a teacher. And I got accepted and I just I just moved out the house Uh, because I I graduated from college. I was back at home, which is a place you don't want to be when you think you're independent and young and all this stuff. But I didn't have any money. So I went into teaching and I remember when I was in high school uh, having some really good teachers. And then I remember sitting there thinking, I think I could do this and I think I could do a better job than what these people are doing right now for me. And so that thought always sat there with me and it took me a long time to accept that thought. I feel like I ran from that thought and used being a lawyer as an excuse instead of confronting like what I really wanted to do. And then once I decided to do it, I, I was all in. I was I was as committed as I could be. And I was an older student, so I was 23 years old where most of the people were 19, 20 So I could already see there was a huge gap when I was taking these classes and and my level of seriousness was different than theirs. So I I would never change the path, but I did not want to be a teacher for the longest time. And now it's the only thing I could see myself
0: doing. Oh man. So let me get this right. So you graduated and had to go back to school to be a teacher how long was that so i graduated
1: in 2005 we're talking about dates going going way back and then (laughs) i didn't i reapplied to go to illinois state university in 2006 so took the summer off took the fall off and then i started 2006 in january and uh i moved in with my neighbor who I, i really never talked about but we grew up we were he lived across the street from me. He went to ISU and he had an open apartment and so it all just worked out. And I spent a year and a half oh, at ISU. So I was on the five and a half year plan before I, I started my career.
0: Hey, I mean that's <laughs> fine. that's fine. No problem as long as you get it done, it doesn't matter how fast you get to the finish line. But no, I I never knew that. So you just so you just hopped in the Danville High School just hopped in first year, like no, yeah, it was survival mode for sure. Like you You had a man yep. That's yep. crazy. And
1: uh the only reason I ended up at Danville High School is Mr. Basies, I don't know if you remember him. Um oh, yeah. my college roommate student taught for him. And so I'd heard of this place called Danville and, and they had a job fair and I gave them my my transcript and my resume and, and they called me. And I remember walking out of the interview, and I was like, I stuck that. Like I, I, that was a good interview. I was proud of myself. I knew I was getting a call, and so I, I just needed a paycheck. But I was happy. I was mm-hmm. happy to be there. I wasn't. I wasn't mad that I ended up at Danville. I was happy to be there.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. It's a. Uh, as um, uh, Coach Luke used to tell us all the time. He used to say, "It's a different breed of cat. You got to be a different breed of cat to be." from Danville. And uh, it's one of those things that it's always stuck with me. And I when you just said that, that instantly instantly reminded me of that. So Danville is a special place. It's a, <laughs> it sure it's is. a hard it sure place, is. but it's a special <laughs> it's a special place. Um, So you were saying that you had some good teachers in high school and um, that kind of inspired you because you felt like you could do it more than that. Was there a particular teachers or Was there certain things that inspired you to be a teacher besides, you know, having to make a living? I get that. But was there something else?
1: Uh, uh, This is so funny as a a former teacher hearing you ask these solid questions and and good lead ins and everything like that. So, um, yeah, I had a teacher in my junior year in high school. His name was Mr. Rosine and he was a history teacher, but he was tough and Every Friday, he gave a 15 question true false test. And if you missed one question, you had an A minus. You missed two, you were down to a B. And, Dang. and most I remember the first test, most of the kids were like, I got a nine out of 15. And I remember looking, I was like, I got a 14 out of 15. I'm doing good. And I was like, I got, I got to stay on this. And every Monday, we had to take notes over the whole chapter. Like, that's all we did. And you could never get away with that now. Like, if I walked in and said, All right, guys, you're, you're going to take notes all hour by yourself. But, uh, it was tough and i just felt like that's what that's what i needed in that, that moment and so he made me fall in love with history and he also made me fall in love with working hard and and committing to my education um the second question and this probably is why Danville High School's been a good fit it, and i never talked about this when i had you but when you were in my class this is what i was going through And so when I was 18, 19, 20 years old, even a little bit younger, my mom had got addicted to prescription drugs and had turned into a a drug addict and not the, not, I mean, she was a drug addict. And I remember thinking like no one ever asked me, like no one ever going through my junior year, senior year, no one ever pulled me aside and said, how are things going? And they probably could have been able to tell. I probably had my moments where I wasn't holding it together as well as I thought I was. And so that kind of inspired me, like, I'm going to go back and I'm going to make sure that I'm there for people if they're going through something that they don't know how to, they don't know how to handle it themselves. And so that's the other reason I, I, I left and went back to college is I moved in with my mom. I thought I could save her. I thought like, I'll move in, I'll take care of her. I'll be there for her, I'll help her kick this. And after being with her for three or four months, I was like, this, this is not my role. And she resented me being there. She wanted to do her drugs and she was so hooked on it that she just wanted to be alone. And so it was my perfect opportunity to get out. But that uh, that's always stuck with me is that you never know what someone's going through and people never stopped and asked me so i always i always stop and i ask the worst thing someone can do is brush me off
0: yeah that's that's very true it's one of those things where you wanted to pay it forward you wanted to have someone check in on you want to be that person that you wanted when you were in high school and i want to tell you that you you were you might not you might not just go up and say hey what's wrong i mean people don't respond to that We all know we're all stubborn. We, if people even come and ask us, we're like, oh no, I'm fine. Just so you can push it away. But you did that in other aspects where you showed that you cared, where you were, you were fair. You were hard, but fair. It was always one of those things where it's like my senior year, I didn't really go have to go to class. <laughs> if you remember, if you remember my my senior year, we we're going through all that education stuff where I standardized testing. My class had to pass the ACT to make sure that we don't become a charter school or whatever was going to come with that, right? So I was always in meetings and different things as a student ambassador, which I don't know how I got that role, but <laughs> me and Mr. Neal were cool and he was like you'd be a great fit for this and i was like i don't gotta go to class sign me up (laughs) so (laughs) uh i was a student ambassador so i hardly ever went to class but i was always in your class but you would always be hard but fair you would be like well you got to go to lunch you can't stay in here so you need to go down to lunch you need to make sure that you where you're supposed to be do what you're supposed to do you would always say that like you got to do what you're supposed to do take care of business because I would always be like, I, I will come up because your class was right after lunch. I would come up the stairs and be like, ah, you know, I'll go up there 10 minutes early. You're like, no, you got to go. One, you want your own lunch. You didn't want to have to do a little kid talking to you the whole time. But you were you never wavered. It was never like anything different. It was you had your rules and we expected it. And we cared about that because someone cared about having rules to enforce and hold us to a certain standard. So I want to say that you did do that. And I'm sure you still are doing that in education and for your students. But for me, and I know for some of my friends, you definitely did that for us. So well, I, pre-
1: I appreciate that because y'all are in the back in the day when you're in high school, you're, you're never nice about it. When you when you hear an adult say no, you start thinking about plan B and C and <laughs> D. And and y'all are experts because you've been doing this since kindergarten. Like you've been weaseling your way out of things with teachers since kindergarten. We mm-hmm. just met you. And so, you really have to know who you are and what you, where you're firm, and because because y'all are experts
0: in that stuff. <laughs> I mean, we we will try to get away with everything. Like I remember, oh man, I have so many stories. I would, I would in the morning you would, you would tell me hey, you got to go to homeroom. <laughs> I was trying to get egg rolls for a dollar, right by your classroom. They were selling egg rolls. They were a dollar, they were so good, but you like, you gotta go to homeroom. And I'm like, Mr. Covey, I'm trying to get some egg rolls. Like, I'm to, like it was just one of those things where I would always try to finesse my way mm-hmm. out of something, but I was always I always had to go where I needed to go. And it, all those stairs, I always had to go. I never wanted to go up three flights of stairs, but you would tell me and I would start to hike. I would always have now,
1: now to this day I've never had one of those egg rolls but I re- they shut that down I, uh, finally they shut it down but I I've respected the hustle I remember people pulling <laughs> they were pulling luggage down the hallway and then they just stop and pull out egg rolls pops and stuff like that and I to this day I've never had have... one but y'all y'all were wild for that <laughs>
0: They would have egg rolls. They would, I mean, airheads. They would have everything in a backpack or whatever. And then you would be mad. You'd be like, "What do you mean you sold out? What do you mean you don't have egg rolls?" One, they had to be going to the store every day to be buying the stuff for egg rolls. But they knew they was. They had to make like two hundred a day. I'm telling you, so many kids <laughs> would buy those egg rolls. They had to make. They had to make like two hundred a night, and then they would just make money off of them. But hey the hustle was was real it It was was
1: (laughs) but it's funny you say that because like i just caught a girl on friday she she was skipping out of the gym and and i i caught her and i i wrote her up and she's like mr Covey, why'd you write me up and i I told her i said you're supposed to be one place you weren't and she's like you're just being so unfair and so even to this day like students are always trying to test those boundaries and and you really do just got to stay firm and the reason is is you got to believe in them and I, i see more in this young student that i wrote up than what she's showing and so she thinks she's mm-hmm. smart cause she's sneaky. She thinks she's smart cause she gets away with things. And she's so much more than that, but trying to change that mentality and let her see a bigger picture. Sometimes you gotta, sometimes you gotta be the tough one.
0: Yeah, you gotta mm-hmm. be hard. And I mean, that's the, that's anything in life, but you're right. Sometimes you just feel like these cards are always stacked against you when they're really not. It's just people that really want to care for you and let you know that, hey, when you leave here, it's a different world youth and i try to tell i have a couple groups that i do i have a bam group that i talk about for it's called becoming a man and i try to help kids that need a father figure different things like that and i try to tell them like when you're at school there's a whole different set of rules from when you leave and if when you leave there's not going to be a detention there's not going to be a suspension there's not going to be those things it's just going to be the law or not the law. And you have to start realizing that you have to start moving in a certain way to take care of yourself because you you only get them for so many years. You only get them for so long. And then they. I don't want anyone to ever be like, man, I wish I would have knew that when I was younger. I wish I would have done something different when I was younger because you don't get too many chances. You mess up one bad time. I mean, that's it. It sucks, but I mean, I definitely get what no, you're saying on that. That's really cool, you. You have to try to. <laughs> I mean, it's it's difficult. <laughs> don't get me wrong. Those kids, <laughs> I feel, they they try me like I tried mm-hmm. when I was younger. But it, it's also um, refreshing. It's uh, something that I'm proud about. So, but it it's not about. <laughs> no, but I, can
1: about him. I, I can tell. I can tell, and and hearing you do your thing is is always interesting for me that's the tough part about teaching is you always want to see your students win even when they're when they're grown as adults so I know it's not about you but I do appreciate
0: that <laughs> oh yeah appreciate that uh so tell me about the year we met we're kind of we've been kind of talking about it but uh I know you kind of mentioned the different personalities and different things in class but tell me about the year we met and what experience you had with that, with my class, or different
1: things? So, I think it was the year that you guys were excellent. I think at football, isn't that right? That's the year that I had you. Yeah. yeah we were, okay. Yeah. And so, you had that going on, and then we just had a ton of personalities. Like I can picture, like there was Hillary and Emily and Quentin. And I can just picture all all these different people around the room and it was like the perfect mix for a sociology class. You had some like real studious people who are great students, you had some athletes, you had some people who are jokers, you had some people that didn't care about school, and they all came with their different points of view. And then I had you in the back corner, and I know you say it's not about you, but you were in the back left corner, and it's like you took up three spots because your personality was so big, and you always shared your opinion, you always shared your perspective, and even when you're like, if you're football, like if your teammates didn't agree with you, you would be like, this is what I think. This is what I feel like. I'm not trying to fit in here. I'm just trying to to voice my opinion. And so that's why it's cool for me to hear, hear you still voicing your opinion. Cause I, I saw where it started. Like you were sitting in sociology class telling people what you thought and not everybody always liked it, but you were you were expressing yourself. And, and the other thing I remember is I think your history of of me being tough on you is a little, is a little, uh, a little shaded a little, because I remember spending a lot of time with you and maybe it was lunch or homeroom after school, but I, I remember it was definitely okay. homeroom.
0: It was homeroom because I was getting egg rolls. <laughs> so, I would eat egg rolls there at homeroom,
1: but you, you, you I remember you sneaking in and, and I remember spending a lot of time, just me and you. And I, I listened to your podcast about with your dad and, and your trials and tribulations with your mom. And, and I had no idea what was going on with you, but I knew something was going on with you. So my mindset was just like create a space where he feels welcome, where he feels happy, where he can express what he wants to express. And and never to a point did you did you tell me what was going on, but now hearing, listening to your story, it totally makes sense. But I just remember spending tons of time with you and you used to like give me teacher tips. So. I was young and I was just open to everything. There's there's games that we still play to this day because you're like you should uh, you should play catchphrase. You ever heard a catchphrase? And I was like, no, nah, I never heard a catchphrase. Man, it's so fun. You should play it. You could do it with history words, sociology words, and we still do that. It gives kids a heart attack, but you you gave me a ton of <laughs> ideas and you used to make powerpoints and stuff like that and, and turn them in. I didn't even ask you to do it. You would just be like, we learned about this in class and you would turn it into a powerpoint. So I remember spending tons mm-hmm. of time. Just talking to you and and just talking my life.
0: No, wow. I as you, I didn't tell you anything. You didn't. I didn't know that. But I I have to be fair. The games. I'm just competitive. I always wanted to compete, so it was like, all right, we can play a game. (laughs) What? How can we do it? Let's play it. Let's do this, and we can play it this way. So it was. We did spend a lot of time Mm -hmm. together we never really talked about that type of stuff but we always just had conversations and it was it it was it meant a lot and that's why i when i talked about i mean i didn't tell you beforehand i've never told you but i said that you were one of my biggest role models because of all the conversations we had how we just bounced ideas off of each other i mean even when i was when I was going to college, we would trade books back and forth. We would buy books, send a book. All right, hey, read this, what do you think about this? Hey, read this, what do you think about this? And it was always one of those things where it was like, I needed that and I could always just have a safe space. I could just talk and I knew everything was gonna be all right. Like that's why I still remember to this day, six period and everything (laughs) because That was such an important aspect of my life. And your class was the first class that was one of the first class besides a math class, because I just love math, that I opened up and I talked. Like I wanted to engage in the conversation. Like I would always sit in the back, not because I was ashamed or I didn't think I was smart. I just sat in the back because I'm just there to get my stuff done. I knew I had to go to class. I knew I need to pass to play football and do all my other sports. And then I was leaving. But your class, I wanted to be there and I wanted to talk. And we did have arguments. We had so many debates. I mean, my best friend, I mean, me and Quentin would just sit there and argue for a whole class and you'd be like, all right, you gotta stop. Because <laughs> I'm like, no, you're wrong. Like, no, you're wrong. Like, that's stupid. Like, it, that's how I was though. Because I did have opinions and I did felt I felt like I was more mature at my age then quite frankly than what i needed to be but i also didn't let that slide because i was going to let people hear what i had to say as well but no i remember i remember all those talks i
1: I remember it too so uh the the catchphrase game this we played it with my freshman that same year and this girl she started crying in class because she couldn't handle the pressure and she sent me a thank you on facebook she's like i just want to let you know i'm a police officer now and uh, you never went easy on me when we played those competitive games. And she's like, "Now, now I know how to handle pressure." <laughs> and, and I always a little things. I always think, "Well, that's shout out to camera That was that wasn't me. I, I felt bad. <laughs> she was crying, but you gave me the game, and that was a lesson for the day." So hey,
0: don't don't cry around me. I'm not stopping. I'm sorry. I I come check on you after the game is over. How about that? Yep. So, but talking about games and i mentioned this and i couldn't really explain it as you know in uh, the my story series was that game you taught us about minorities and everything how did that go because i i remember you you were hyping up one side and you made and we all wanted to go to that side and then like at the very end you flip the script and then you're like well this is what it is this is what this means and I don't know if you still do that, if you remember what I'm talking about, oh for sure. you kind of want to explain that. Yeah.
1: So it's, it's actually a sociology, a teacher did it like in the 1970s it's called the blue eyed brown eyed minority. And I remember just reading it and I was like, how crazy can I get with this? Like how far can I go? And so the night before I went to the grocery store and I bought all these little tiny cups and all this like knockoff pop and then generic cookies. And everyone who had blonde hair went to one side. Everyone had brown hair went to the other side. and then people with like red hair or whatever they got to pick. But I split the room in half. And so they could clearly see a physical way that they were separated. And then the people with the blonde hair, I started treating extra good. And I pulled out the generic pop <laughs> and I poured these little like two ounce cups of like, Generic Mountain Dew and generic Sprite. And I get gave them all cups. And within seconds, seconds, they start looking across the room to the people that don't have anything and start tormenting them and just talking down to them. <laughs> and instead of me being a teacher in that moment, I was like, yeah, let them know how good you've got it. Let them know that we got cookies yes. over here. We got pop over here. Like, let them know that it's good over here where we're at with the blonde hair. That's That's where it's at. And then, as they did that, and it's hard because, like, I know what the point of the lesson is, and I see them playing out these. Um, I see them playing out how society goes anyway, and it starts. It starts to irk me, but I, I stay in character, and then I pull out the red solo cups, and I pull out the real Mountain Dew, and I pull out the Pepsi, and I. And I pull out the Chips Ahoy Chewy, not the regular, the Chewy, and I open it up. And I said, don't, don't take one. Put your hand in there. Take them all. And I start pouring all the good stuff to the other side. And then all of a sudden, the people who had something to start with, they feel bad about themselves. And then the people who have been mistreated, some of them start talking stuff like, oh, here, we got it. But then some of you caught the lessons like, wait, we got it. And we don't have to flaunt it. We don't have to put them down. Just because we have something doesn't mean them not having it makes them any less of a person. So some people catch it, some people don't, but that that's the world we live in as well. And you obviously caught it. You're, you're sitting there like, dang, this just happened in a class of my friends. And some people walk out of the room like, oh, we got popped today. And some people walk out of the room like, Oh, we saw America today. Like we saw how the world works. So I didn't come up with that lesson. I just, I just put my, put my little spin on it and and took it to it <laughs> to another level.
0: No, we were so mad. Like I remember, <laughs> <laughs> like people were mad after the class. Like they didn't want to talk. Like don't talk to me. Like it was, but it was such a great lesson because it did show what happens in America and how we need to approach things and how we need to think about things and how we can be okay with having stuff, but don't have to make someone else feel bad because we have something maybe give to them, maybe help them get what you have or do whatever you can do. But that lesson, I that sticks in my head because I was sitting on that other side and I was salty. I'm like, man, I ain't got nothing to drink. I ain't got no cookies. They're talking smack. I'm already competitive. And now, like, I was like, what can I do to get a cookie or whatever? But it wasn't... I want everyone listening. I don't want you to think that this was, like, two, three minutes. This was, like, 15, 20 minutes of just sitting there. Like, I don't have nothing. And he would... And Mr. Cubby would keep teaching. Boom. He would teach. He would talk about... Oh, you want something else? Oh, you (laughs) ran out of cookies? Here you go. And here's some more. And it was just like, oh, it was just a regular class. I'm like... I don't got nothing. I'm in the back. I don't have anything. And I remember it was me and Quentin. We were so salty. We were just sitting there like, ah, mad. Michael's on the other side. So he's eating cookies. And we were like, you're not my (laughs) friend no more. Don't talk to me. And But it was just one of those things. And then the last probably 10 minutes of class, you brought out the other stuff. and, And then you gave it to us. And I think you kind of talked about it really quickly about... This is what happened. This is what America, this is what you need to start thinking about. And that was the whole class. Like we didn't take notes. We didn't do any of that stuff. It was, you would teach, you would give one side something, teach some more. And it was just the flow of the thing. And we really felt bad. Like we felt like really low, like we don't get anything or this is what you think of us and but when you put it all in the perspective it was like man that was one of the best lessons but that lesson was something we got every week for sure like we always had these interactive lessons and we had these things that made you really think and promote these discussions but man i think about that all the time and i didn't really i couldn't really remember how it went but i would always tell people and i was always break it up like yeah we played the game and he made someone feel bad and all this other stuff just like i talked about in the the previous episode and but that you explaining it that would that's exactly how you're right and
1: i forgot that part i i taught for 20 25 minutes and didn't give you a thing like i wasn't afraid to hurt your feelings like you were you were gonna have to go through this on your own and and you guys were yelling at me like how can you do this teachers are supposed to be fair And I was like, I was like, I, I'm <laughs> giving really you an were. education. Like, well, I'm teaching you. I'm giving you notes. How am I not being fair? Just because they have a little extra doesn't mean I'm not being fair. So it, it brought up a lot of good topics, and and that's where, as a teacher, you just have to let that stuff roll off your back. Y'all were getting mad, and I was just like, Nope, next, next. <laughs> oh, we
0: were getting, we were getting so mad. And I was, and you know, you said it. I had a personality, but Quentin was up there, mad, like. What do you mean? Like, he's standing up, like, I want, I, that's not fair. You would rebuttal and then he would rebuttal. And then I would hop in and other people would hop in. Like, it was just this whole thing of like, all those personalities you talked about. Every I think everyone, almost everybody in that class that day said something about in, um, joined in in that conversation, because that was that was probably one of the best lessons that I've ever had. But it was worth it. (laughs) It 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 stuck with me still to this day. I
1: appreciate that. Thanks. Yeah, you're bringing back good memories. Do you still do it? Um, I haven't done it recently. Uh, God, I can't remember because I quit teaching it for a while, and so with the pandemic and stuff, I haven't done it in a while. Probably the last time I did it was in 2014 or something like that. And so you got to have the right group too. Like I I wouldn't just do that with if I haven't built that uh, that culture because. You really have to build that culture and trust your students because you're really putting yourself out there and you're putting them out there. So I haven't done it in a number of years, yes. but I also didn't teach the class from 14 to 20 or something like that. So there was a big gap there.
0: OK, fair enough, fair enough. Did it have the same type of uh, response? As of that year,
1: uh, that was probably that was a peak year I would say for sociology. But I, I've taught it, <laughs> I've taught it probably five or six times, and I would say five out of six times were good. There was one time that the kids were like, "I'm not having this," like <laughs> they revolted. So <laughs> they all came together. And <laughs> hey, right. Kudos
0: to them for kudos for them to doing that. That that's, that takes some talent yeah, too. So oh, well, we kind of talked about. What your impressions uh, of my class was and that year. So, um, what did you talked about? We we're always together. Did you ever notice anything going on in my life? Like, what did you think about my life, or did you hear anything? I didn't know if that was kind of something that teachers talk about, because I, I know now that we kind of say, "Hey, heads mm-hmm. up! Like, this is kind of what this person's going through," or anything like that.
1: So. I I just knew something was up, but I I had no clue what it was. And I think the reason I knew something was up is just you were always always in my room. So I felt like you always had something you wanted to talk about. And so I just kept waiting. I was just patiently waiting, patiently waiting, patiently waiting. But then I remember hearing, and it must've been the football thing where your mom showed up to the field. I remember hearing from other teachers that something happened but nobody really knew what happened and so i remember just keeping an eye on you that day but you seemed you seemed fine like i had no idea that you were staying with the coach that you were not at your house i didn't know any of those things and in fact i don't know if you know this but you wrote me a letter like your i i still teach a, i teach a lesson about you i don't use your name maybe i will now since you're mm-hmm. you're uh, podcast famous but uh, I teach a lesson. You sent me a letter about applying to be a teacher at McKendree, it's probably your junior sophomore year, and that's when you finally told me what was going on. And I don't know if all these events happen in one place in one day, but the way I start the story is my wife and I went out for a run. Uh, she started to feel sick so she stopped and me being a good husband I kept running because I wasn't trying to lose that race but I turned and I looked <laughs> and I saw her vomit and I tell the, the students one because I'm just trying to let them know like there's different ways to be a woman as well like I saw her vomit and she wiped her mouth off and threw it on the ground and just kept running. And I never tell the kids who won that race, but I always say one of us went inside and we were upset. One of us went inside and we were talking stuff. And they all guess that she beat me even though she got sick. And because she was talking so much stuff, I went in my room and shut the door and I opened up my computer and you had sent me this email. And you told me what was happening. And then you sent me links to ET, the hip hop preacher. I'd never heard of him before. And so I watched those videos and I came out and and Anna loved you too. Like she she was she knew you from me and we used to go to your games. So I came out of the room and I was crying and she thought it was because she beat me in the race and I I couldn't handle it. And I was like, no, 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 no. Read read this letter. And you kind of told me like that you were staying in different houses. You were eating uh, like 25 cent snacks every day just to get through the day. And it was like the first time you had told me what you were going through. And I remember emailing you back like, how did you, how did you do it? Like, how did you go through all this? And what is your why? And I remember, cause I just watched that video. I was, I was thinking that and you just told me like, I wanted to be in a place one day where this wasn't my situation. And so I was always focused on that instead of what I was going through. But that was the first time you ever told me. And then I have the students, right? I say, all right, what's your why? And this is, I never realized this until I've listened to your podcast, but a lot of the students who are going through difficult situations, who are being abused in a a variety of different ways, that's the moment where they speak up to me. I know you said like people don't say, oh, this is what I'm going through. But when I say, what's your why? A lot of kids will say, well, I was abused when I was five. I was abused when I was 12. And I want to prove to everyone that that's not going to hold me back. So I never put those pieces together until hearing your podcast. But that whole lesson usually brings a lot, a lot of tears out, but also brings a lot of truth out.
0: Nice. <laughs> it, it, and that's a great. I don't know. if I'm I remember that too letter, long, but would,
1: That's that's the lesson.
0: No, no, you're. you okay. know, you could talk as long as you need, as much as you want. I remember that letter because we we had to reach out it was an assignment or something well it wasn't really an assignment but it's something it was a checkpoint that you had to go along your way to do and i so i reached out to you and um i was big because back then i mean even to this day i still listen to et but his uh what's your why and uh i'm sure a lot of people have heard it where it says When you want to breathe as bad as you want to succeed. When you want to succeed as bad as you want to breathe, that's when you'll be successful. That's where that story came from. Right? That came out just at that time when I was a sophomore in college. And I remember watching that, seeing the video that he made for that. And then I sent it to you and they told me they uh, told me to write that letter or I needed to do something to reach out to um the teacher and different things. So you instantly popped into my mind and it was just one of those things where I just said it all. I didn't have to say everything that I said, but I think you were right where it's always like, I was always on the fence. I was always gonna wait to say something and I never did. And that was my time when I was out, you know, where I I have the control of my destiny, my destiny for lack of a better word right now, but I have control of my life. and. It's my story to tell. I can tell it how I want to tell it and when I want to tell it. Because back when I was in high school, I didn't have that power. I didn't have power over anything. I, the most power that I had over was brushing my teeth, washing my face and having personal hygiene, you know? Like, I had to go to school. I had to go home. Like, all these different things. I didn't pay bills. And so I truly didn't have the power to feel like I could say anything or do anything because after everything that happened with my mom I could have I could have done a whole bunch of stuff to get attention. I could have tried to tell everyone and anyone that wanted to listen but I just I would never understand it but I was loyal. I had so much respect for the like respect for the title that she was my mom and i always wanted to try to save try to save it try to save her try to save my family in my own eyes and kind of like how you talked about with your mom how you tried to go and you tried to save you tried to save her and you tried to do all these things and at some point you just realized that you can't do it Like that's not, you can't save someone and save your own life. But in high school, that's where—that's why I never said anything because I was always trying to salvage the situation. I always tried to say that it was better, it could be better until that day happened when she went to the football practice. When that happened, it wasn't, Now, now you're messing with my life. You're messing with the only thing that I have control over is getting a scholarship and leaving. So now I have to make a decision of, I have to go. But um, I remember sending that letter to you and you emailing me back. I don't remember what you said, but we we were talking and yeah, I, I remember your wife worked at the school and she was in your I was always in your room. She was always coming in your room and we would just all kind of talk there. And uh, but yeah, I mean, that's cool that she still remembers me because I still remember her and I would always. Was she your girlfriend at the time? Yes. Because I always give you yes. crap. I would always I would always say, like, hey, that's your girlfriend? That should be your girlfriend or whatever? And then you would get red or you tell me to shut up. I'm getting red right <laughs> then, now, yeah. <laughs> <ain't it? laughs> but I remember all of yep. that stuff. But, she, yes, that's what she... Does she still no, work at she school? she works at, at Centennial now. So okay. Oh, so she's a yep. charger. She's a straight yep. charter. Okay. Yep. Now, now we got <laughs> to address this situation, but...
1: But no, but she she really thought I was it, crying because she beat me in a race. But but really, it was it was that whole story. For me, I, I feel like I knew. I, and, and to me, you not speaking up on that was was proof of how real it was. And, and I'm not saying that people that speak up aren't telling the truth. I'm just saying like how deep it was and how real it was. Uh, you spoke up when you were ready, and and I was I was just trying to create a situation where. I would be there to listen. And I always tell my students that there today, it's like, I don't have a lot to say, but I always have a chance to listen. And if you ever need to talk, you always got my ear. So that that day blew my mind. And I I teach that lesson every year. And there are always kids that are impacted by that whole collection of stories. So for you, it was just an email. For me, it was just an email, but there's been a number of kids who have been like, I, I remember, I remember that day when we talked about what's your why, and as bad as you want to breathe.
0: That's, that's super humbling. Like, <clears throat> granted, like you said, it's just an email, but that's still very humbling that it's that it's helped someone else. Because that's what it's about: being able to help other people, being able to use your experiences and help them get through theirs especially when all right, you're you want age. to talk
1: about humbling. How about not giving me a heads up that you're going to talk about me on the podcast. I'm just driving home. I'm, I'm listening to your stories about Coach Luke, about your eighth-grade basketball coach, and then all of a sudden you say my name. And I'm driving to pick up my son. Six minutes later, I, I, there's tears falling down my... I'm trying to drive. I'm crying. And I, I park at my son's school, and I look at my eyes. My eyes are bloodshot. I'm crying so hard. I was like, I can't go in here. They're going to think... I, I'm using something. Yeah. <laughs> so I had to collect myself <laughs> for like ten minutes and then I walked in, I went to pick up my son. And it was a movie day. They were all watching a movie, the lights were out. I was like, Oh, I would have been fine anyway. But oh my god, I've never had a moment like that where where I, I couldn't even believe what was happening. Like I couldn't believe I was hearing my my name and my story and, and our story coming through the, my speakers in my car. That was that was something
0: else. It was it was it, I've never told anybody I never I've never said, oh, yeah, this is my role model or anything. But it was just all those conversations, the classes, the out, outside of high school, you know how we stayed in touch. It was always one of those things where all those little things matter. And I tell people all the time, the little things make the big things. Everyone wants to worry about the big picture. But if you don't worry about the little things that make up the big picture then it's never going to come to you so it's about the little things the little things matter and that you did all those little I things. i appreciate it me. so it's other people need to hear it and that's one of the reasons why i wanted you to come on because i want people to know like who you are and what type of teacher you are maybe teachers are listening to this and maybe they want to you like take things from you and see how you use your students' ideas or how you use different experiences and you try to shape them into a certain way to help another student. And you never know, any little thing that we say that people hear, it could help someone, and that's what this is about. So I am also very grateful that you came on because you could have just said, no, you could have stayed in the shadows and we wouldn't have been having this great, amazing conversation. And that's
1: that's my style is I I like to stay in my room, stay, keep it on the down low and and do my thing. Uh, So this definitely pushed me out of my comfort zone. But as soon as I told my students, I got an invite to be on the show that like you, you don't have a choice. So they pushed me to do this. (laughs) So.
0: Oh, so. So yeah, that was a question I was gonna ask. So they help they helped you decide to get on the well, come on the show. I, I, and I decided they, ahead they of listen? time. I knew
1: I couldn't say no to you, but I, I when I brought mm-hmm. it up, they're like, "Wait, when's the episode gonna be on? When can we listen to it?" So uh, <laughs> I knew I couldn't let them down as well
0: that's that's dope you said that you listen to it in your homeroom or in my first period, period it doesn't the hit
1: the same at, at two o'clock it, it, your voice and the tone and everything oh it, yeah. it really is a morning vibe so when i play it in my 8 30 class like it, it makes sense and the kids the kids listen to it and enjoy it and then i've gotten some other kids to listen to it that's on their own
0: that's dope that's really good i'm glad that they like it because it it gets intimidating sometimes. Well, I think you never know how it's gonna come across. I think you
1: just wrote your next episode. It's the little things. That's and you just gotta find a quote, and there you go.
0: Oh yeah. See, all right. see now when we get done, I'm gonna find out. It's a little. It's the little things Yo. quote, and I'm gonna shout you out because of it. But that leads me. <laughs> that leads me into the next question: Were you always able to connect with your students like me, or was it something that you just learned over time? Um, I, it was your second year I might have been one of the first students that you had like that and I know that you wanted to have that when you were in high school so was um, were you always able to do this or did it, was it something that you just learned over time I don't know how to answer
1: that I, And you're probably right you probably were the first student that I ever had that, that was going through something difficult um, and I really connected with I think the best way to answer that question is when I was trying, when I wanted to be a teacher, I, I knew that I wasn't there to impress the other adults, like what their opinion of me didn't matter. But I knew that the opinion of the people I was teaching is the only thing that mattered. If I'm gonna be with you for 50 minutes every day. What you think about me and what you think about the job that I'm doing and what you think about how I manage my classroom, that's what really matters. And so I was trying to create a, an environment where learning was a focus, we're excited about ideas. And and if you build that trust, you build that relationship, uh, anything can happen. And I, I really believe, like, I mean, I listen to Jay-Z, I listen to Kanye West, I listen to J. Cole. I really believe that if I put my mind to something, that anything can happen. And So when I step into a classroom, I, I really think I can make a difference. And so I remember Miss Cherry, she was my first principal and she's, she told me, she's like, I've, I've never seen a person make relationships Uh, the way you do. And she's like, I I don't even need to like observe you. You're an excellent teacher. And I was like, no, I'm a first year teacher. I'm terrible. And she's like, no, no, you don't get it. You see how you connect with kids. You don't see how other people don't connect with kids. And that's not a knockout teachers. There are a lot of teachers that do a great job and connect with kids. But I just, it just came naturally to me. Like I, I had, I was trying to be there for the students and I knew the relationship is what mattered first. And so that that's all I focused on. I, I wanted the, my reputation to be I'm there for students.
0: So that leads me into the next question that I just kind of built off of what you just said. Being a younger teacher, being first, second year, you said you didn't really care. You weren't there for the adults, you are there for the kids. But we all know that sometimes it's people have opinions about it was it ever hard for you to kind of juggle that juggle the did people ever try you to say like hey your connection with the students or maybe you shouldn't be the cool teacher or the cool guy or different things like that was that ever hard to like juggle because people get trapped in their ways where they just think like you're the teacher you have to be this you can't have a relationship you can't be their friend and i'm not saying you were being their friend but You kind of get where i'm going Mm -hmm. with that it's was it hard to juggle that did you have to face that hurdle
1: to see when i when i had you no one knew who i was like you said you didn't even know who i was so i was and i was happy with that like i was happy with that but as the years went by and and students would be like oh my favorite teacher is and then the teachers almost knew what was going to come out of their mouth that's when that's when i started to be like wait I'm not supposed to be good at my job. There were there was a lot of people that hyped me up, and, and a lot of adults and a lot of coworkers that like, yeah, keep doing what you're doing. But then I, I would hear, I would hear whispers, I would hear voices. It's like, why is he, why is he doing all this stuff? Why is he? Who's he think he is? And I would start to like when people talk about like getting hate. Like I didn't know that you would hate on a teacher for doing a good job with children (laughs) like that 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 kind of messed me up i was like i I thought i was trying to connect with kids and build relationships and, and look for a better future i don't know why you're mad about that and i had to i had to learn how to deal with that i i had never heard any criticism and then when i started hearing criticism i was like I got to learn to deal with that. And Mr. Haup was really big with me on that. He used to talk to me about that. He's like, who cares? He's like, you go in your room, you do your thing, and whatever they have to say, that's on them. And he's like, who cares? And that that really stuck with me. But I did give a, a speech to the whole school in like 2015, where uh, one of my one of my role models, Mr. McGuire, he told me afterwards, he said, you done blew off the top of Pandora's box. He said, everybody knows who you are now. And the next day there was like yeah. 80 kids in my classroom, like no joke. The class, kids were sitting on the floor, kids were sitting in the desk, kids were sitting on the desk. And I was like, y'all need to go to class. And like, no, we're in class. And whatever I said in those 10 minutes, they just wanted to be with me and i couldn't believe it but there were also people like and they're right like you can't have kids that aren't your students in class so there were there were people that were mad at me for that and i I just was so blown away with it i didn't know how to handle it i I was not expecting a 10-minute speech to turn into everyone knew my name and what i was about
0: man so it's it's not easy you did you had that effect on people (laughs) It definitely it isn't, but like you said, it's not about it's not about them. And like Mr. Hop told you, mm-hmm. who cares? You know, it's about the kids. And that that again segues, what segues me into another point was when we lost in that football game, that semifinal game. And uh, you had kind of told me off screen that you went back and forth to see if you were going to do it or not, but you made a PowerPoint for us because you understood how important that was for us. I mean, that was the first loss we had all year. We didn't experience that. Like, yeah, we've lost before, but it was our senior year. It was different, you know? It's a home game, semifinal game, and we lost by a touchdown. And it was like, what happened? But kind of go through of like, what made you do that? What was your thought process? And how was it having, what, four or five young adults just bawling <laughs> in your classroom just crying because you play run this town to a powerpoint that i still i would even watch it after like when i was in college on my old computer i don't have it anymore but i i had saved it and uh it was on a hard drive on a thumb drive and i would watch it and it play the song to it and go through it and leave because you had on a little timer and it was, was time. scroll through but um kind of just explain so that. i think
1: oh my I, that made me that made my day too when you said you still remember that because i really weighed that decision I, it was a difficult decision to be like all right i'm gonna i'm gonna start class with this I, i'm gonna start class with with the pain that you guys are all going through because you wanted to come in and sit there and not talk about it And I think you guys lost on a Saturday night. I remember, I still remember my wife just holding her head like she could not believe how it ended. And so that Sunday I woke up and I was like, I'm gonna make a PowerPoint. And I spent, when I say I spent all day, I I spent all day, I was combing through newspaper articles. I was going to other towns and finding pictures of teams you beat and, Mm -hmm. and putting them all together. And then when I started it, I remember I walked into class and I hit play and I remember a lot of the football players in the room were like, no, 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 we're not doing this. And that's where I had to stop and be like, no, this is why we are doing this. We're doing this because we have a big blue gorilla that comes to our football games. We have people that pack the stands two hours early. Um, You have little kids that have never seen uh, positivity in their life and they can't wait for Friday night. And you guys are only thinking about that loss. But you guys brought a whole community together. And then when I played it and you saw it all play out in front of you, I think you got it. And it wasn't just you all that were crying. And people people were bawling. People were impacted by a young group of men who committed to committed to each other and committed to a goal. And I, I was one of those people. So as as a teacher and as a fan and someone who was impacted by it, I wanted to I wanted to give you your flowers and i'm so glad i did that it was a whole day and i felt crazy doing it i felt like oh my god are you just are you really gonna spend a whole day putting together a powerpoint because that meant all the other lessons went to the side (laughs) like that was all i did that day so yeah but it lasted you still remember it so it means i made the right decision
0: no i remember it very vividly and it was you were the only teacher our whole day, that talked about it, that even said, that acknowledged it. You know, I mean, I think it was the elephant in the room. No one went to talk about the loss. We thought we were, we really believed that we were gonna win state. Like we believe we we're the best team of in the course, state, and yeah. it just wasn't our day. And everyone in the community would go. Like stores were shut down, and we would have five, six, seven thousand people there. I mean, people, they would bring the bleachers out from the field house and the portable bleachers and line them up on the field because you didn't have enough in the stands. But you were the only teacher that acknowledged that and you made us watch it. And we did get it. We got it that it was bigger than us. And Coach Luke would always talk about, you know, for the community, you got to be known in the community. He would always say these things like, back when we were here, if you're a football player, you walk down the street, they'll just pick you up and take you to practice because they, they cared that much. Like, first of all, that was in like 1965. Nobody's doing that now. No one's getting in the car, getting driven to practice. But thanks for the story. But he would say all these things about like reason why he came back to Danville from Chicago and all these different things. And you never really got it. But you showed us that PowerPoint. And I think that we all just got it. To see the pictures of not just the games, but people cheering and all these different community things. And you drove by and they have pictures of the windows being painted, like, go Vikings, do this, go do that. And it was, and you ended it, it was like, you, I don't, it's like, you lost the game or something, but you helped this community, you won this community or something like that. And it was like, you wrapped it together, like, what, look what you did. And it was like, Waterworks, I just (laughs) cried the whole class, like can't do anything else. There's a three minute song and I was shook for (laughs) 50 minutes. But it was one of those things where. You just understand the moment, you understood the moment. And I by the way you're talking now and the way you're explaining things, you obviously still understand the moment and don't let people's thoughts and outside thoughts worry you because you could have simply said well I got to teach this lesson I got to get through this I got to get through my curriculum but you said no this is more important and that's just mm-hmm. getting it and a lot of people just yep. don't get it.
1: I, I always tell my students "Is if I if I sense something if I pick up on something I'm going to put my finger on it and just press that button until, until we deal with it and that was one of those things where I really did debate it back and forth because I just didn't know what to do but it meant so much to me, and, and, and yeah, you mentioned the end of it. Like, I think that's what we all want to do. It, at least for me, that's it. Maybe you you end on a loss, but it's the people that you impact along the way, and you can't really count that cost, and you can't really you can't really figure out what that impact is. But if that's what people say about you when you're done doing what you do, if even if your last thing is a loss, uh, everything leading up to it is what really matters
0: for sure, even though didn't the loss, but. <laughs> all right, I'll give you Then the
1: Jay-Z. It says a loss ain't a loss. It's a lesson. Appreciate the pain. It's a blessing. So here we are laughing about it. But Coach Luke, man, <laughs> Coach Luke is that, that man. He may have ended on a loss, too, but think of all the people that he impacted along the way. So
0: that's that's what it's all about. That he was a uh... I always tell people I got lucky. I got lucky coming or coming from Danville because I got some of the best coaching that a lot of people don't get. The way they challenge you, I mean, we had Division One athletes on our staff, people that played in the Big Ten, in the SEC, coach us and hold us to a certain standard and accountability, like there was no messing around. You ain't, like, I, I, when I tell you guys that that dude could, strike the fear of whoever you believe in by look, I kid you not, you didn't have you could tell, I didn't care about being suspended, I mean, I wasn't getting in trouble, but I didn't care about any of those things, but if I had to go to his office and he looked me in my eyes, I just was like, oh, this is a wrap. like, I can't do it anymore, like, he commanded that much respect, and he held you accountable, He he treated you fairly, and he would make, he would let you know if something was wrong, like, there was no being an idiot in school you didn't really have people ineligible or getting in trouble and being suspended because they didn't they didn't have to send you to the principal they sent you to the <laughs> ad's office and then now and now this this is what it was gonna be like you didn't even want to walk down that way like I there's so many stories that I could tell about the good things that he did and the things that were I when I got in trouble or me and my friends got in trouble and what he would say and it was just like Here's one story. I was, we we're at a football game, or we're at football practice, or something, right? Oh, I have so many. We we're at a football game, uh, and uh, for football practice, and I didn't do something, and he was like, "What is it? Do you just not care?" Or he said, "Are you lazy? Or you just are you just don't care about your teammates?" And I'm like, "Neither <laughs> of them. Like I'm not lazy, and I care about my teammates." And then like he would be, he get his whole speech about accountability, and I'm like but you didn't give me an answer that like you didn't give me something I can answer. You, I'm just sitting here. Like he's like, well, answer the question. Like, which one is it? And then now he'll make my whole team run and make me watch because I didn't do my job. And it's like, well, I don't want them to run. Now I feel bad, but he made you understand that your actions impact others, not just yourself. Like people care about getting in trouble or people don't care about getting in trouble because they're like, Oh, I can just handle it. But when you got your boys over there going through the pain that you caused. It makes you think about things differently. You're like, oh, well, I don't want to mess up because I know that they're going to get in trouble for me messing up. And he did those little lessons and those mind games. And yeah, it was... uh, But but you still remember him to this day. (laughs) Oh, yeah, for sure. Without a doubt. Like I mean, besides of him, besides everything that he did for me personally as well, but just in the aspect of education and coaching I mean he instilled stuff into us that helped us I mean that dude took over an 0 and 8 or 0 and 9 program and the next year he went to the playoffs and two years later he was in the say semifinal game so it's just one of those things that I'm grateful for so going to our next question I want to ask you Looking back on your career, are there students you wish you tried harder with? Or is there someone that, obviously, no names, but is there someone that you couldn't do anything for then that you learn from that you can be more prepared for the future?
1: I think I've been stunned at some of the students that I've that I've helped. Um, students that that come in with no confidence in themselves and achieve it at high levels, I had a student who had a 0.0 GPA, and by her sophomore year, she had turned it around, and when she was in college, she asked me to show up at her her senior night, and I walked her out and took the pictures because her her dad had passed, and it was an amazing experience. But then I've had students who I I don't connect with, I don't click with, it doesn't work out, and those are students you go home and, and you think about, and you're like, what can I do, what can I do? and you keep trying strategy after strategy. And sometimes it just doesn't click. And that's as I've grown, I've matured, I've learned that that's why school is a system. And you may not connect with me, but you might connect with the teacher down the hall or up the hall. There's there's expert teachers throughout that building. And those students, excuse me, can find a way to succeed under their their guidance. Because we're all teaching the same 10 things, like show up, do your job, work hard, Be trustworthy. If you say you're going to do something, do it. Like we're all teaching these things and we just do it in different ways. And so if my way doesn't work, um, it doesn't mean I give up, but I also know that I'm not the last stop, that there are other people that'll help them out. So I did have one student say to me, he's like, and this always stuck with me. He's like, why would you help the A students? And I was like, what do you mean? I was like, they're interested, they're trying to learn. What do you mean? He's like, well, I'm over here with a C minus and I don't see you helping me right now. And I was like, dang, I'll never forget that because he's right. Like the students who do have the C minus, those are the are ones I have the job for. So when a student makes a mistake, when they miss a question, that's when I get to show up and I get to teach. If you if you know all the answers already, I'm just there to entertain you. So I, I do look at students differently now after that, that student said that to me, it, it stuck out. and And I'll show up for those kids that are really struggling now too.
0: That's a great point that you made. It hurt my feelings in the moment. But you didn't take it personally. You learned from it. You, you, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I can't think right now. I didn't get mad uh, at him. But you used what he said. Yes, you used what he said, and you went ahead with it. So more people need to do that. So this goes to one of the last questions that he said that to you, that your students said that to you, and kind of the things that you just said was has teaching helped you outside of a school setting? Family, friends, parenting? Cause you you are a father now. It's a whole different it's a whole different world when you're a parent. But have has teaching taught you more patience? Has it Do you ever get accused of using your teacher voice when you get upset? (laughs) You know, like has teaching helped you in any Uh, way? That's funny. It sounds like
1: (laughs) so. One (laughs) uh, having one kid was cool. Having two kids, that's that's something else. I I don't (laughs) understand anyone that goes over two because two is just the next level of, of pushing your patience. But have I ever heard someone say, "I'm not your student"? I don't know why you're talking to me like that. I've I've heard that before and. And that's a <laughs> that's a tough one to stomach. That's a real <laughs> that's a thing. Tough one The to stomach. It's like okay, okay. Yes. I'm not at school right now. Let me let me check myself. Uh, but um, ultimately, that's the reason I became a teacher is so so I could learn how my my most difficult time in life was between the ages of like 14 and 24, and so I wanted to learn how to show up uh, essentially for for that age group, and I learned over the past 15 years I've learned how to be there for people and how to be there for myself and so when I was doing it it was when I first started there was a selfish part of me it's like I want to be there for my children one day and now now I feel like I am like I, I I'm a good dad I'm a good dad I may be a good teacher but I'm a good father and my wife is a great mother but we have so much fun and a lot of the stuff that I learned in school just about relationships and talking to kids and stuff like that, it just transfers over. And the funny thing is like when I go pick up my son, like all the kids will look at me when I walk in and I can't help myself, I'm, I'm like, hey SIE, what's up, you still collecting Pokemon cards? And and all the other parents just go pick their kids up, but I can't help myself. And, like. I gotta connect with people, even if you're the little third grader collecting Pokemon cards. Yes. I gotta do that, and then kids will tell my son like, "Your dad's really cool because he knows about Pokemon cards." But I just know what they like, and I'm trying to <laughs> connect with them. So,
0: connect. I don't. I just yes. can't help
1: myself. But it, it, teaching really has made me a better person. And if I would have been a lawyer, I would not be having this conversation with you. And. And these lessons would not have stuck, so it, it was the right choice for me, and it's made me a better person. And and being with my wife and having kids and building this family and being a teacher—all those things have have made me the person I am, and I'm I'm happy with that. I'm happy to say, I am who I am.
0: No, well, that's you embrace it, and it's empowering you, and that's that's beautiful to have those things and to be able to connect with your son's friends and being able to be a better father and you are a great father but to be a better father because we can always be better every day you can be a better anything you know be a better husband better son anything and everything we can always be better at and you use that and you use your lessons that you learn from teaching and you, I'm sure you use the lessons you learn from parenting into teaching oh, as sure. well and it's a revolving for sure. my students
1: probably th- say I talk about parenting way too much but that's, that's what I talk about with them now
0: <laughs> so that that was all the questions that I had, but this is what I'm, I want to ask you is, I know you're talking about you're working on intro to teaching and different things. Is there anything else that you have ideas about that you want to work down the pipeline or um, anything that you want to keep building on at school? or Anything like that?
1: Uh, I, I think I always like to keep... Ideas of what I want to do, but I'll keep those close to my chest as well. I'm private about that stuff but I'll open up oh, a little sure. bit um,
0: <laughs> Don't give too much. You don't need to give everyone your secrets. Uh, no, no secret sauce. No Michael uh, George secret but, stuff uh, But I,
1: I think the biggest thing for me right now is where I'm at in my life is Is the teaching stuff? I, I know and the content I know and the stuff I want to do I know the the things I want to do now is is make it more fun make it more interesting and then keep learning For me. Like my son is learning Spanish in school and I learned how to roll my R's this weekend. I was all excited about it, but finding a TikTok video and, and taking notes over it or, or learning something new or reading a new book, that's really what I'm about right now is is I'm at a point where I don't have to obsess about my career. So I can I can take the time to get back to learn. I feel like I can be in college again and, and read new books and, and come up with new ideas and, and that translates. That's that spreads to other people. So that's kind of where I'm at right now and and what I'm excited about doing. Um, I've always I've always had an inkling of like, what would it be like to run a building? Like, what would it be like to be a principal and run a building? And I'm not the type of teacher that's gonna go into like a, a really, like hyper productive school where everyone's focused on a college education. I, I wanna go into a building where where there are challenges, there's difficulties, there's poverty, there's people of different races and ethnicities, like where I wanna go into a building like that and see if I can make a difference. And I've had people tell me I would be a good principal, but I've always wanted to teach at every level. So I, I taught for six years at with the lowest of the low students, like the most challenging. I said, give me the, the 15 worst freshmen, like find them, you all know who they are, and then put them in my class. Yes. And so I did that for six years. Um, that, that's the hardest thing I've ever done. I taught students like you for about six years, and, and now I'm teaching honor students, which, which is a whole nother ball game as well. Those, those students are almost like sheltered; like they they don't know as much about the world as say you would have when you were a senior. So I've always wanted to teach every level. So if I was a principal, I would be able to have conversations with the teachers at every level. I don't want I don't want to fake it. I, I want to yes. I want to make it, and then. And then do my thing.
0: No, for sure. That that's beautiful, and you you'll be able to do it if you want to achieve it. I have no doubt that you will achieve it. Like I'm I'm, a hundred percent on that. There's, if you put your mind to it, if you want to get it done, I think you'll get it done. And they're right, you would be a amazing principal, and you just get it. And like granted, that's a whole different type of aspect of things, but you have you got it. And a lot of people don't have it so if you want to go do it i would say go after it for sure i
1: appreciate that yeah and it's i don't know this is fun too i i could do this i could do this all day <laughs> oh
0: you can. you can come back anytime we can talk about anything and everything but, i mean we've already talked this long and we didn't even without even thinking right, about it right so
1: but podcasts have always been an interest to me i've had a student say like we should do a podcast that i thought that would be fun and i i would that ET stuff always interested me too is like go, go and give a speech to some people and see but that mm-hmm. that's I don't know that might be too much
0: Oh, well, it sounds like you already had practice in 2015 <laughs> so I say you I mean you already built the platform you already got the foundation just go jump off of it now and Not keep going
1: the funny thing you, you re-bring that up and I knew you were going to but is my message was everybody has a story that's all I really said is like everybody has a story and I just went around and I asked all these students is like, tell me about your story, who are your heroes? And a lot of kids didn't want to talk about it. And and that's kind of what I talked about is that everybody has a story, but everyone doesn't want to talk about it. And you should never run from that story. You should never hide from that story. That is what makes you who you are. And you got to let it make you who you are. And that's why I had students in my room the next day, is because those people that go to that building, they all have stories and and that's probably the first time they were ever told not to be embarrassed about it or ashamed of it like be proud of it and that's why i love i love yes. seeing what you're doing is is you definitely have a story and now you have a platform and you're truly making a difference you're owning it and and you're making a difference I, i'm a i'm a proud friend and a, and a proud teacher every morning when i when my get in my car i got a fancy car now where i just put the phone in and the, the podcast pops up it, it knows to play it so as oh, i'm pulling out of the driveway it, it's it's uh positive vibes in the morning it's playing
0: yeah. i appreciate yeah. that man that that means a lot and it's yeah. it it's only up from here it's only up from here for both of us and anybody that one anyone can achieve it anyone can do whatever they want to do they just have to not be afraid to go do it you just got to do it. Like you said, what's the worst thing you're going to do? Brush mm-hmm. it off. So, I mean, OK, <laughs> I just get up and wipe myself down and go yep. do it again. So it. I want to say thank you so much for coming on and sharing your sharing just a little bit of part of your story and sharing your what it was like meeting me and teaching me and all those different things. And this was amazing. I could talk over. I could talk yeah. for hours. But but you got to post a show. People have stuff to do. <laughs> yeah, I got to post the show. You got to go to sleep because you got to teach in the morning. And I got to teach in the morning. But it's just one of those things where um, I'm grateful that you decided to come on. And I hope that your students. So shout out to Covey's uh, 830 uh, guest first period, second, second period. period class. Shout out to y'all. Yeah. Second period. I know y'all can't listen to this the whole class, but if you do listen to it, he uh he talks talks good about y'all, so don't so don't don't mess well, up. A good group. Well, <laughs>
1: I, I gotta say the same to you. Is thank you for having me on. This is, this has been a lot of fun. I, it's been hard getting it together and and getting me and you here, but uh I'm so happy we did this and and it really means a lot. Uh this is this is definitely a highlight of my career. So I appreciate you giving me that opportunity.
0: I appreciate that. Thank you so much yep. for coming on. So this was your another episode of Midday Vibes. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, if you have any questions or anything to say, you can uh, reach out from the show notes below, uh, reach out to me, and then I'll forward them on to uh, Mr. Covey, all right? So you guys have a great day. Bye.